Welcome to Permaculture Tonight. Today is a really special podcast. I get to talk with Jeff Lawton one-on-one. He was my teacher for our permaculture design course online. And I feel like Jeff has, you know, so much wisdom and he has so much to offer and discuss. I know that we all want to hear what Jeff has to say, so I'm not going to do any more preamble. We're just going to get right into it. Here we go. And... In my mind, when I think of permaculture, I think of of you, Jeff, and because m- partly because you're my teacher, and partly because you really are leading, you're 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 leading um, the movement without being, you know, taking leadership. What you're doing is you're leading by example, and I I see it in your family and the joy they have, and and the and the fact that you both teach, and you're always together as a family. I feel like. The permaculture family, you know, you guys are that. You exemplify that. And you're leading that example. Oh, well, that's nice to hear. <laughs> um, we do live the life. And um, we try and live it at both ends of the scale. Um, uh, from where people are in great need and suffering. Um, to where we're, um, we're, we're setting down examples for people to learn from. So instead of uh, really um, building an ideal living situation for ourselves which would be a lot more disciplined and somewhat more um, somewhat more regular and, and well maintained we, we live uh, um, in an educational situation where there's a lot of things set up here at the Institute that don't have to be but they're, they're here for people to learn from as examples so we're, we live in quite an unusual situation and, um, and um, we have an average of 30 people on the site 24-7 so we have a lot of a lot of food being produced and going through um, people as they're learning here, which is uh, something we, we volunteered to do, and um, we um, we we accept the consequences. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there are, and so it is a service. What you're doing is a service, and I yeah yeah it, we feel obliged to um, offer a service because we don't think there's enough. Um, of a realization that that this service is needed um, right out to the aid service but also on the ground as uh, training grounds for people it's one thing to learn in the classroom it's another thing to actually learn by example and um, and be able to uh, um, feel okay about making mistakes and and and, and see a, an experience of property in evolution and, and you know they're always in the evolution and when you're a, uh, you set up a demonstration site, it's an education centre. You're always taking three steps forward and two steps back, and you just get used to that as a valuable thing to be to be experiencing for everybody. Absolutely. And it is frustrating. We've been um, we we now actually have an, uh, a commercial kitchen and a a, um, a dining room, um, so we don't have thirty people for breakfast, lunch, and dinner in our house like we have done for a long time. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm sure that's much easier when it's set up that way. Yeah. Well, it's it's good now because we're it, we're there's so much happen, happening in the organisation that we have to have time for um, office work and delegation and and um, and also um, recording information and sharing it with people. So, 
I heard recently that you went back to Morocco. Did you visit that food forest, or was it near there, or what? Were, what were you doing in Morocco? Uh, we were um, we were purely filming in Morocco. Beautiful. So we there to teach. In fact, we were somewhat avoiding some of our students and and our uh, our, our uh, scholarship NGOs because we had scholarship NGOs on the recent online course, in, and some were in Morocco. Um, but we were on a a, a very fast. Uh, filming trip trip through Jordan first and then Morocco. We did teach in Jordan, but we uh, then went into mainly filming. But in Morocco, we did 3,000 kilometers of driving. Um, we went to uh, many ancient systems, both built systems and living systems. I was there 40 years ago, so I went back and revisited many places from 40 years ago. I've been there since, but I this was definitely a, a trip to go and find some of the ancient systems, record it, film film them and talk about them. And one of them was the, the old food forest that I visited before. But this time we had high definition movie cameras with us and uh, we spent quite a bit of time filming and recording and explaining and, and still discovering um, that ancient system and many others. And um, uh, we're very lucky that we're quite quick at this and we can make a lot of good footage very rapidly. And we, we do a lot of it by accident, by ad-lib. We unplanned. Um, with mixed in with Mixed in with planned. So we have a plan, and then we never stick to it completely. And then we're always ad-libbing and finding unusual things. And, and, and amazingly, things come to us, and it's quite unusually coincidental. But there's all these constant, you know, these... these strange um, sort of synchronicity happens where things line up for us and then we we, uh, we get to film some beautiful things so we've come back with an enormous amount of footage a massive amount of footage um, which we're now um, uh, editing into um, various films uh, short and long when we say short we mean three minutes and when we mean long we mean just a bit over ten minutes yeah yeah uh, uh, mainly and then we're, uh, we're also editing it into our new online course because uh, we're evolving the online course to have uh, a, um, a, a massive transition. So we've, um, we've got our own studio, we've got our own special equipment, and um, we're, um, uh, we're, uh, we're developing an online course a little bit more like the Q&As were in the online. We're, we're, I'm talking straight to camera. I've got a screen running behind me with relevant information. Um, I'm, I'm continuously bringing up reference uh, digital material as well as whiteboard and animation material as I'm talking straight to camera. Wow. Um, the whole thing's digital um, mixes of, of incredible relevant footage plus everything we always had before. And um, I've really translated the, the permaculture designer's manual into my own comments I would I would say um, and amazingly it actually takes less time than normal so it's kind of like five times more information in less time with more digital imagery going with it I think it will be a, a very very interesting event when we release it this year to see what it does to people I hope it doesn't damage them too much. <laughs> huh. Well, I think what you're doing is you're winding you're winding people up with their enthusiasm, and you and I felt that coming out of your course, I just kind of exploded, you know, and and I I feel like 
that the what you're talking about that synchronicity it, it's building i everywhere i go now it's building every month i i mean i had in march i had you know 300 friends on facebook i have 1200 now you know things are just building and multiplying um i do you feel like that's true do you feel like that's more of a recent thing or is this just the way permaculture feels i think it's well, permaculture is a very good conduit into extremely positive and meaningful action. And I'm sure there's lots of positive and meaningful action out there. But there's not many. There's not much that's actually a direct translation of information into action. So it gives you a directive to act. It's quite different to normal writings on ecology, which are one step removed and a reflection of what's observed. Where permaculture is that plus a directive to take action and make things better and to make it, uh, it applies relevant information to supplying our needs. So, but it, 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 there are uncanny co coincidences that keep occurring, so much so that I wouldn't really want to talk about it too much because it almost sounds esoteric and, and a bit woo-woo, but it, 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 it's definitely true. And everybody um, experiences that. So whether that's just an alignment of positive action magnetizing other action towards you or whatever it is i don't really care what it is it, it's a it's it's a it's very valuable yeah, and, i think and, it's and, real i don't think it's woo woo i think what it is is we recognize in each other a level of commitment and we recognize that we speak a common language even though we're so we're that's one of the things that's the most incredible things about permaculture is that it's everyone it's anyone and mm -hmm. There's this commonality, this common understanding, um, and I feel like, just like we're going back to the family thing, just the way it, it translates on a level that is not even verbal. Yeah, there's definitely a transfer of passion, mm -hmm. and, and some of that passion is like a, it's like an infection, a, yeah. a good infection. Yeah. You get infected, and, and, and if you get a good dose of it, it's terminal, there's no recovery. <laughs> You're always affected. And, um, and I think that's what we do to people, and then they go out and infect others. And, and, um, and um, it doesn't fade too much. In fact, it kind of, the, the infection percentage builds in you over time. You, you could just be germinating it to a, you know, like 100% transition. Yeah. I, I actually believe, and I have no proof of this, but I'm like we have no proof of many things, actually. Science, <laughs> science pretends it can prove things, but it's only the things it can box up. Um, I turn around and see a cormorant sitting on my jetty, which is an unusual thing. Um, wonderful. Um, but um, I think it's a new neural pathway. And... Um, because I'm now caring for elderly people quite often, my brother's had a stroke, I have a grandson with autism, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning more and more, because I'm 60, so I'm leaning more, to, like, you know, how do you help older people as well, because in third world villages and in developing countries, there are no old people's homes, everybody's cared for at home, and every, you know, there are no, no daycare for children, children are educated by older people at home with experience, and older people are there right till their last days, and and uh, I think that's how it should be. Um, but I've, I've started to read about the plasticity of the brain and the neural pathways because I find it quite interesting. And, and I often read 
what I don't expect to be interesting, I find it relates to what I might be doing to people. So this, the, the brain that changes itself, was a was a wonderful book I read um, uh, on the plasticity of the brain and uh, and how the brain can rebuild itself and how the, how the brain can 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 charge up that neural pathway network, which is like a, a dendritic pattern. Now. I just happened to come across other relevant or trivial information that sort of fit into the puzzle. And that was that it is believed that we grew an extra cortex, like an extra branching pattern on the outer edge of our brain when we started to read and write. When we started to actually describe the world with written numbers and, 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 and letters. Up until then, mankind just experienced it, understood what he needed to understand and related to it. But then there was a point in history in our in our human development where we actually started invent numbers and write it. Now Extra it is believed that the brain got a, a little bit bigger, just a little bit, a few percent. And I started to think about this. What am I? What? Particularly, I'm feeling responsible. What am I doing to people like Matt Powers? Like, how, you know, my feel responsible. You go out and do <laughs> stuff. Other people of mine go out and risk their lives. In fact, I've lost a few students in the field in aid projects. You know, they've gone out and, and they've, 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 they've died of, of, of different events uh, in aid. So I actually feel responsible for people out there doing very dangerous things, some people. They're very courageous things. It is incredible courage that people build. So, and then I start to think about this, and I think it's a new neural pathway. I think we're actually developing not only a neural pathway, but that actually leads to an expansion of our brain, where we actually not only just translate the world like we did with numbers and letters, but we actually see the world with a design mind. It's through a new matrix, and that matrix is, a, is, a, is the last possibly outer layer of our mind where we design our way out of the mess we've got into because we're so clever we got in this mess, really. If you really look at it, we developed civilization, mm -hmm. you know, development. If this is it, we got... There's a... There's a Elaborate trap. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a key issue here we've got wrong, right? In, in that we didn't have the ethics and consequences of our development in, in mind. Now we've developed the design mind, right? We're designing a way... And this develops our permanence. That has to be our final move. This is our evolution, possibly. And I've got no proof of this. But I see it in my students. I see it in what we're doing. I see it in the synchronicity that we, we have these uncanny consequences of beneficial connections that you cannot imagine the connections that line up. They're ridiculously extreme, absolutely extreme. And, and they're, they're going to be quite bizarre. I mean, I'm seeing a lot of, I'm seeing a lot of, of need for people to want to have health and wellness centers connected to permaculture. And, and I've just done a consultancy over the last two days for someone who's extremely influential. And their main theme is health and wellness. And wow. that's what they want. They actually want that, a health and wellness center. And we know from the internet connections that when we get, when we get posted, onto a health and wellness site, we can see through Alexia and Google Analytics, we can see our web connections jump. We can see mm. the wave of connections. And what makes that wave, what makes that continuous wave of swell of connection come towards us, and we're talking internet clicks now. I mean, we're talking about unique visits to websites. that You cannot deny it. Right. So you can right. see you're tr what I'm doing is I'm trying to track my way into the 99% of people who haven't heard the word permaculture yet. Mm -hmm. That's my audience. 
I don't actually care about you guys. You're already infected. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but, but you actually have something that we really need and you, we just hit upon it. When we change people, we don't know where they'll go, but we know that we're, 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 we're charging them and they're just going to go off. When we do this with children, that we exponentially charge them. It is not like a 25-year-old or a 45-year-old or a 65-year-old that we're getting enthusiastic. This is a brain that's in development. And so thinking about like, like Oliver. Oliver didn't know what the word permaculture was, you know, a year and a half ago. But now he... And he, he's learning to articulate what it means. He knows it has to deal with plants and how there's a need for it, right? But he he's searching and, and it's that and, and, and he's trying to figure out how this fits in and he his brain is at work on this problem and it's been at work on this problem for months as a four-year-old and my eight-year-old is teaching my people who come to my my, my workshops I don't have to say things because he's leading the tour he's explaining things he's coming up with ideas like putting chicken coops in trees because trees uh, are a natural habitat for birds so he's coming up with all these great ideas and everything, and I'm realizing I have no idea. Like, there's no, there's no rule book. There's no, there's nothing for permaculture kids, and that's part of why I'm writing this curriculum. But it's kind of like you and Nadia um, have have probably more experience, especially through you having, I mean, Daniel and other children and grandchildren. You probably have a an insight into what permaculture parents need to prepare for, and what we should expect, and what you know what I mean, like what we should facilitate. Like when should our kids go to PDCs when they're twelve, eighteen? I've done twelve year olds. I did eleven year old that went right the way through with Bill and I did an eleven year old, and she started a permaculture children's group in America. Um, uh, what year was that? <laughs> Sorry? What year was that? Um, that would have been about four four or five years ago, probably 2010, 11, something like that. Um, Where are they I now? just want to bring her uh, uh, name to mind right now. Um, her parents uh, were from um, Las Vegas and they moved to Idaho. Good have a permaculture site in Idaho, um, and um, I did consult there. And um, my son did his course when he was thirteen. He more or less grew up with with permaculture, but it was very early days. So um, I did. He was uh, he would have been three years old when I did my PDC, and the year he was born was the year I was introduced to permaculture, nineteen eighty. So Daniel uh, grew up with it, but it was very early days and there was many trials going on. You couldn't go out and see things like we can now and we didn't have the internet. But he did his course when he was 13 initially and then again when he was 16. But when he was 13, as a 13-year-old, one thing he did was start a collection of the de definitions of permaculture. Oh, wow. Uh, so he was doing the same thing as your four-year-old was trying to do now, but he did it as a 13-year-old. Now... And he got to about 50 definitions, and I thought it was better than a stamp collection or something like that. But he didn't get to the definitive point where he got to, well, here's a standard definition I could always use, because there never is one. And that was what he learned. 
that you have to define it on the, at the at the point in time in relation to the person, the situation that they're up, that where the question is being asked. Evolve. Um, Evolve. It often leads to some degree of teaching. Now, in the neural pathway studies, what they actually realize is up until you're four years old, you're an absolute open book, and you can learn ten languages all at once up until you're, up until you're four, and then you have to try and learn a little bit, and you have to le- want to learn a little bit more all the time. Now, I've had a 92-year-old take the course, um, and I've gone I'm right down to 11, but I have... Now, as a, I had a 28-year gap in fatherhood, and now Latifa is four, uh, is five, and she's had all her life at Saytuna Farm and travelled to many aid projects. And it is rather unusual um, what, what and how she's learnt and experienced things. Her, her, um, she's always had enormous amounts of stimuli around her. And she has a, a great understanding of, of, of uh, farms and animals, uh, plants and, and systems. Um, she has a great respect for the large animals. She understands, um, she has a great compassion, a great care, a great respect for the more dangerous larger animals. Um, but she also understands, you know, the babies are cute and they're born and everything. But she also understands that they're processed and they're, and, and, and they're killed for me, she knows all about that, and she has no problem with that whatsoever. Important. Uh, she has this real understanding of life and death on the farm, and um, and and she also understands the difference between a farm and a city, and when we go between it, and and how we live on a farm and other people live in cities. And although they're kind of interesting, it doesn't. Eventually, it does take long, and she she's kind of wanting to come back to the farm. Um, and also the other thing is here is we have uh, people coming from all over the world all the time um, and comparatively compared to most modern communities they're all nice nice people they're all caring they're wanting to all go in the same direction Um, and um, and she gets to talk to people from all over the world so she 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 has a very adult conversation she Mm -hmm. she can talk to adults very well, almost at a level where it would be dangerous in a city, in a modern city. Indeed. Yeah, you know, she, 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 I actually actually watch her in a city because she will just go up and talk to strangers as if everybody's nice. Um, but it is wonderful to watch, um, and it's uh, very entertaining as a parent, extremely entertaining. Uh, um, and, um, and, and she's very used to the scheduling. So, you know, she's used to the dawn start, you know, and uh, not, you know, an hour and a half after sunset sleep, you know. That's beautiful. Um, so she's got those sort of schedules in, um, and it, and it's quite a study. But I think there, I mean, there's something very special about the preschool. You know, that that pre-four-year-old experience is, uh, it's, I think, something is, uh, is, a, is a great alignment. It's almost like they're learning the language of permaculture at the early enough age that it becomes, okay, I can speak this language. That's yeah. that's all I want for the next generation. I want them to be fluent in permaculture by the time they're young adults, so the decisions they make will be more ethical. And if we just have, as a society, um, ethics be part of our regular fluent conversation, it, I mean, I just can't even imagine what the world would even be like. Because 
children, you know, in public schools have no idea what the word ethic means. You know, they don't know what a work ethic is. You don't, they don't know what ethical is, you know. Um, they know moral means right and wrong. They don't know what ethical means. Yeah. It's like energy and entropy. Most people understand e energy, but very few people understand entropy, and you have to explain it as a teacher. Captured energy spent. Um, yeah. Um, I think... I, I think you're quite right. We we cannot possibly imagine how abundant the world could be. It's way beyond our. Pre in fact, you would probably you probably go insane in a second if you could <laughs> even even start to imagine it. And and if you tried to explain it to people, you would be taken as insane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because it is way way more abundant than we presently imagine. And and if you read some of the great books that have been written recently in recent years, like the the, the Green History of the World by Clive Pontin, who's a historian famous for documenting the Harold Wilson era of politics in England, but he documented he wrote a book that just simply, with no conclusion or or assumptions or prejudice, he just documented the the environmental history of the world, and. Um, Including Europe and England and, and, and America and, and 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 it is incredibly abundant the picture he paints in not that long ago. I mean it's not really just a few hundred years back. Um, so the abundance that we could allow and, and to we could re uh, facilitate, if you like. I mean I, I really think that. Um, a lot of uh, our work will will be in the, the the minimum amount of space we need to facilitate the most beneficial needs that we require, and and a very large part of what we need to do is to submit to the the, the lack of need for large landscape use, and 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 farmers that are in the present positions of, of very large distant landscapes, inevitably, inevitably can only end up being um, wilderness and wildlife managers because there really won't be anything for else for them to do they're, they're on way too large a land at way too large a distance now it wouldn't be a bad job to be a wilderness wildlife manager and if, and to allow it to f facilitate itself um, yeah, so that that one change alone changes massive amounts of our biosphere um, and then, and then the, the the finer inner environment is the only environment we can really teach from. If you read carefully through our, uh, through the permaculture books, and we talk about zoning and other methods of many methods of design, actually that we haven't taught enough details in. But if we just talk about zoning, the inner zone, the zone zero, and the zone one. That wow. inside the house and the home garden are totally human dependent landscapes mm -hmm. and without humans they do not exist in a very short amount of time now, everything is facilitated in there and there we can teach from completely we can teach from there now when we go into our next outer zones we immediately and quite quickly start getting a large percentage of our elements facilitating the action for us so we're partnering with nature it's not totally dependent on us and as we go out further and further in our zones more and more of the action is not our action we are just facilitating the natural elements to do their job 
and they will exist. A lot of them will exist more and more without us until we get out to our forestry zone, which majorly most of it will exist. Not all of it, most of it will exist without us. And then we get to the wilderness, the outer zone, the outside. Now, they were just a visitor and observer, but there is the ultimate lesson. There are the really, really profound lessons. We cannot teach from there. We can only teach from the inner zone. But we travel outwards with less and less influence and more and more observation and until we're just a visitor observing. We have to respect that. We have to allow that pattern to, 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 to re-evolve in our understanding. Otherwise, we're just not going to make it. We're not going to make it. It's a very interesting thing. It's a sort of inside-out torus. It's like a donut. And you chase it round in your mind. Um, and there's no way you could fully understand how that translates into, into the physical abundance that's possible that humans would be responsible for. I mean, instead of being the most damaging element on Earth by our actions, it's a complete reverse. The most beautiful environments on Earth would be as a consequence of human existence. That's a flip. That's a complete flip. That's like Bill Mollison telling you that airbags will never slow you down in a car. Airbags will not, you know, create less car deaths. Right? What you need is impaling spikes. That will slow everybody down. <laughs> it's true. I actually tell people we should remove all the traffic signs and all the traffic laws and all the, the, the speed limits and everything. And watch how carefully everyone will drive. It's like teachers. Instead of a teacher getting more wages the longer they teach and more holidays and a better retirement payout, they should get less wages, less holidays and less retirement payout the longer they teach. So the most experienced and longest serving teachers will be the best teachers because they're only doing it because they love teaching. Yeah. If they can eat. They need permaculture gardens. <laughs> well, if they're a good teacher, their students will always keep them alive. That's true. And I think I could probably walk into a hundred sites across this planet with nothing but my clothes on my back and, and say, look, I'm, I'm, I'm here, I've got nothing but me, I'll help you mulch your garden, can I get a bed and a meal and stay? And I'm sure I could probably walk into a hundred sites where they'd say, come in, Jeff, you're all right. Yeah, I don't think anyone would be kicking you out. <laughs> I can afford to, to, to sort of feel comfortable with that, at least. <laughs> when I said teacher, I meant public school teacher, and those, you know, are a dime a dozen, but teachers like you are quite rare. Well, I wish, I'm, I'm, I'm producing good teachers, so I'm sure you're going to be one, but they're, they're, uh, um, we need more teachers, and um, the quicker the better. I've got a kingfisher on the jetty now. I've got a forest kingfisher. At this time of year, I have forest, a family of forest kingfishers come and, and, um, and live by my dam at my house. And, and sometimes I'm teaching. Um, and when I used to teach here, and what is now as it's supposed to be in my lounge room, and I used to look out the window and there'd be mum and dad kingfisher and the kids sitting on a branch outside the classroom window. And the, the mum and dad kingfisher are teaching the kids to fish for little yeah. tiny minnow type fish in, in the dam outside the classroom window and sometimes I wouldn't tell the students because they're all looking at me and I'm looking at the kingfisher getting my inspiration while I'm teaching but often I would tell them 
and then like 30 faces turn around and usually scare him but anyway he's gone fishing it's amazing how when we open ourselves up we see these things everywhere I just talked to Kai Sawyer from Japan and uh, he's an urban permaculturist over there and he did a TED talk called uh, An Invitation to Stop and he talks about zone zero zero and how we need to permaculture won't make the difference it, it won't even reach these people unless they stop connect with nature and realize that they have this need to connect they have this need of that's their survival they every time they breathe they're breathing what plants are giving us and when they breathe out they're returning to the plants and it, it was incredible and it's amazing that you touched right upon that and i think that maybe is, is that going to be a big part of your book ah yeah I have a chapter called Silence. Mm, wow, this is all coming together. I have a chapter called Observation. Um, I have some odd chapters. I have, at the moment, 28 chapters, but I might I might be editing that down. But, um, um, yeah, I just decided to let loose and um, sort of uh, write my mind down on what I thought was relative and important and how I feel about things in relation to living a permaculture life so that's my book but uh and it's and i'm actually surprisingly i'm actually really quite enjoying it it's almost like painting i used to paint and i i i feel um i don't paint so much anymore because uh, i feel it's a bit of an indulgence because uh you kind of go into a, a meditative zone where almost like in a dream and I've actually got in that zone while I'm writing this book, so I'm kind of enjoying it. It's like painting, and I'm kind of indulging myself in it. So um, it'll have a lot of color gloss photos because I like I like imagery. I like a lot of imagery, so um, which will also make it hard to copy. Uh, but yeah, anyway, yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm I'm very much into uh, extreme image um, visuals. I always have like visuals, so. We're now recording um, our movie. Uh, well, we're uh, at last. We're recording in 4K. We've been recording in 2K up until now, but now we've got 4K. So you can't even see 4K yet. But when you do see it on a special screen, it's almost super real. It's wow. ridiculously real. Your eye can't see that good. You know. Um, uh, so that's that's sort of fun. Um, I like. I just like having fun with it all. Actually, yeah. I feel yeah. like uh, we should have fun. Um, creation has a very unusual sense of humor. The way things line up, the way things line up with that unusual synchronicity and those uh, uncanny consequences, it's almost like a sense of humor. To me, I mean, I am English, so I have a sarcastic sense of humor, but it's almost like someone's taking uh, a sarcastic sense of humor at poke at you. But isn't and, that natural yeah. too? I mean, yeah. don't we see it in nature? Like we see like humor in nature, and I feel like that's where we get it. You know, it's all part, we're all, we're the same, right? We're all part of it. I laugh about it quite a lot. I laugh about it quite a lot. I was just actually moving a chicken tractor with um, a young Texan student here from Austin, Texas, uh, James, and um, we're working pretty hard. And he's loving the farm life, and it's a new experience for him. But he suddenly looked up and he said, "And I looked up and I realized there's a rainforest." because we have a rainforest edge to our river and it was almost like it, it suddenly discovered a treasure that had always been there and we've been working in the main crop for quite a, a few weeks a few months with james and he keeps sort of realizing there's there are treasures everywhere just in what we're we're living and experiencing around the property 
Um, and the devil's in the details. If you get all finicky about the little bits and pieces, you know, it gets all, you, you get too carried away with these crusty edges. But when you look at the, uh, you know, the big picture, you know, we're in a treasure chest. We're just in an absolute treasure chest. At any moment, all kinds of things can happen. Um, so I always like to teach where I can see outside or talk to someone in, in an interview like this where I can see things. Um, and one of the worst places I've, I, I teach is in a, an auditorium in, in a university where often I've got no windows or two tiny little windows and I just see a grey sky, you know. Occasionally a pigeon flies past or something and I get excited, you know. Uh, but <laughs> um, so I, 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 I like that visual stimuli and, and general stimuli. And then, and it concerns me that many people switch off. They 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 they're walking around looking at a mobile phone with headphones in. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're 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 separating themselves from from. It's almost you know a doomsday separation. Um, death or, or escape or something from what's the most vital thing you could be interacting with. Yeah, and and, and I think that's very interesting that that the online course. Um, we were able to tune into something that pulled people off the screen into reality. Now, it was what I wanted, but I didn't know how it was going to work and if it was going to work. And I knew it didn't seem to be working really well with other people. So I just kind of did it my way. I just thought, well, I'm just going to try it and do it my way um, and what I think I can get away with. And let's go right to the edge. So like, I even do the almost the car salesman type sales pitch at the beginning. <laughs> Which I got criticised for heavily, and then I, I just well, this is the these are the human triggers. These people are on television. I mean, they're watching adverts on television. I've got to give them the same style to pull them into something really worthwhile. And then I've got to do it the right way when I teach it and give them a, an ability to interact. But you can't do it live because they're all over the world. So how do we do it? And somehow we pulled it off. And now, like like many things, like like design itself. Once you've got a little bit of a winner or a winner of any type, incremental change refines the event. I, I feel very happy. I've got something that has worked. It's three times now it's worked well. Now I'm going to incrementally change it um, and, and, and try and rev it up mm-hmm. and, and move it up, move it up a, a gear or two just so we can speed up those like infectious, passionate events. That's all. So, thank you so much for coming. I feel so honored that you would share your time with me and sacrifice this time with your family that, to share with us. And if you could share with us when your book is coming out, uh, if you have any idea, that would be super cool because I can't wait to get it. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm slowed down because I'm writing this new curricula and I've never written such a detailed curricula in my life. Uh-huh. I mean, I must have read Designer's Manual more than 50 times, and every time it gets more. Well, this is the biggest one, and I'm going through so much in writing curricula. But I could imagine sometime within the next nine months, something like that. I've got no problem with publishing. That's an all-a-done deal. Um I'm a bit of a mud when it comes to taking things on, so I'm I'm really like a challenge. So I don't mind taking things on. And there's something we haven't t- talked about, and it's kind of a uh, another unusual thing. And I like those things. It's a bit edgy. I've I've come up with a new farming system for um, growing food for people, 
um, and I have a partner and I, I developed a farm as a consultant for my partner uh, who's a businessman and a very successful businessman in the organic business of um, organic cosmetics and organic food and they came to me and wanted me to consult for them to buy land for a purpose and then design that land for that purpose wow. and the purpose is, is called organic farm share and it's like a CSA but the people actually own the share in the land and it, it meant writing a new legal document within the Australian law and the American law is 10% different so we're now working with lawyers and we're nearly complete on an American offer document in relation to the law that you're allowed to share land in that you can purchase a share in land that the land cannot be used for anything else but growing food with permaculture organic design. Wow. It's a present called Organic Farm Share and you can see the website organicfarmshare.com. It's been running as our test site for quite a while. We, we supply food to 200 families. We, we produce eight vegetables, eight types of vegetables roughly two staples crops and three animal products and every week we pick and plant 2,000 vegetables um, plus wow. hundreds of eggs meat milk and every we initially had 365 people put in four thousand dollars to buy the right land which I had to choose and I had to design and then I had to implement with farm managers and workers. And then we supplied them their own food, which they own the farm. Right. They own right. the operation, but it can't be used for anything else. They can't live there, they don't live there. It's delivered to distribution centers or to close to their homes. We have a bus, we have a truck. Um, and they, the agreement is they buy the food at the capital city of our state, the capital city organic organic market wholesale price minus five percent so even if you went to the capital city vegetable market fruit and vegetable market where the, where the large wholesale vegetable market sells food to the fruit, fruit shops and restaurants at the wholesale organic price we can give you that food for that price minus five percent Wow. Now, the regulators can't stop you buying your own milk. Oh, wow. So you can do raw now. Buy your own milk or your own meat. Now, but first off, they've got to know that they trust you to buy the right land. And they trust you to design the right land. And then they trust you to get it started and design it and get it moving. Some things move fast, like vegetables. Fruit trees take three or four years to come in. Other things come in quite quickly. And we're talking right on the top scale of production. And and it's taken off worldwide. We have a farm ready to go in Japan, and the government wants to back us uh, dollar for dollar. We have a farm ready to go in New Zealand. We have multiple inquiries coming in from the States. And we're just in the final stages of going global with this. It, it's one twist away from a CSA, where someone else owns the land. Right. You own the land forever. You can sell a share in it. You can buy seven shares if you like, but no more than seven shares, but you only get one share of food. If you buy seven shares and there's a profit over and above wow. what people want to buy, you get seven shares of the profit 
out of the 100 or 200. It needs two to 300 people to start the large enough farm to make the, make the operation work. It, it won't work on a small farm. It, it has to work on a larger farm. Like, you know, we're talking 100, 200 acre size farms. And what it really is, is growing food for the people, by the people. Yeah, and it's almost like through the people, right? Because 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 it's it it's facil they're facilitating this like niche, that's protected. Yeah. It's protected, yeah. Oh. And they know when it's their food. But they they've agreed that we have a farm manager and two farm workers, and they work at a certain. They visit the farm. We can have events at the farm. You can camp at the farm if you're a shareholder. We can teach courses at the farm. The, the shortfall or you permaculture people that might be listening to this, is you? we need more trained project managers now. So I'm doing scholarship project managers courses, and I'm we've got intakes coming in right now. And they're one and two year management courses. After one year, you become a, farm, a project manager. After two years, you become a project designer, manager. You understand how to administrate a, 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 uh, a project and you, you are a PRI, Permaculture Research Institute, registered teacher after two years. Wow. If you make it. If yeah. You make it. Yes, yeah, if you make it. Course, and you've got to get to up to 80% proficiency on all subjects. Mm -hmm. That's all subjects. That's like small engine maintenance, solar power, compost toilets, reed grey water, fencing systems, large animals, small animals, nursery, you know, compost, uh, compost teas, biofertilizer, you know. The whole thing, you know, mm -hmm. it's all, everything that manages the project, and that's our shortfall: training people quick enough. How many? How many people? What will happen is we'll have nests of what well, as these systems set up. There's no reason why they won't work. As they set up, we'll have nests of, of organic farm shares around permaculture education training centers that are training managers. Wow! How many managers do we have currently? Well, most of them are very well occupied. So right. I've just trained two very good managers here and they're about to leave to an Indian project where there's a whole state of India being designed. Holy cow, that's incredible. And and so needful and amazing that they're actually going to be the ones to do it. Well, they, 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 everybody knows that, well, generally they're coming to permaculture for solutions of designing major problems. And mm -hmm. India now is from the poorest people to the richest people in India, they want organic food. They know there's a problem. Something like 7,000 people a month die of air pollution in India. There's a train that leaves the Punjab every day called the cancer train, full of cancer patients from the most agricultural area, the Punjab, going to Chennai, where the most sophisticated hospitals are. They call it the cancer train. Wow. They know. And, and it's only been 50 years, and they were organic. For thousands of years, they had a sophisticated, complicated, diverse culture and they pass knowledge on through through experience, not through sort of knowledge-based universities so much, but they they only went the, the non-organic road in the last 50, 60 years. So there's people alive that can remember. And now we have design. And mm -hmm. now we can, you know, so there, there's, there's, there, this is the problem. The, 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 the only problem we have is can we train people quick enough? Yes. And not, that's... not just get them infected, but get them actually into being their, their, their experience fast. And one year is a minimum. You've got to see the seasons go around. Two years is a great... At the end of two years, you're pretty good. You're pretty good. You should be pretty good. 
I, I've been training people here over two and three years. The people who, who spent two or three years here, I'd, I'd send them anywhere on the planet. I'd send them anywhere on the planet, any climate. I'm, I'm pretty sure they'd work it out. And if they didn't, they'd get in touch and they they wouldn't guess. They'd, they'd be back, you know, saying like, you know, let's reference. But that's what those are. Some of the things we're up to. Amazing. Just to give you a look at the back pages. Amazing. Thank you plus so a, much. Plus, plus our websites are all getting a new face. So pay attention to permaculturenews.org. It's about to look completely different in the next couple of weeks. You're going to click on and you're not going to recognize it. It's going to have a completely different color, completely different functions. Um, and it's going to be really funky and new looking and interesting. So always things happening. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. It was such a pleasure. My pleasure. All right. And hopefully I'll talk to you soon. And uh, one of these days we'll meet up and our families will be able to play together. Yeah, that'll be a good day. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Jeff. All right, Matt. Cheers. Bye. That was my favorite interview I think I've ever done. Wow. Jeff Lawton, my teacher. The guy who like solidified my permacultural understanding, answered my questions. The guy who collaborated with me, the, whose son, you know, was like the second perma I ever met, whose first permaculture project I was the permaculture project, you know, first one I ever saw. I really feel blessed that I have had this time and this opportunity to connect with Jeff. I feel inspired by all the amazing things that he shared. We, with this new model that's going forward, that's a proven model, it's not even an idea. It, I mean, it's, it's economically moving forward and it's coming to America. With this, we have a totally different, a totally different mission at hand. And the mission at hand is that we need to train people to manage these large sites. So if you feel like you are one of those people, it's time to take that plunge. Hook up with Jeff Lawton. Get trained and start repairing large landscapes, designing states and cityscapes. The time is now. Do something amazing this week. Permaculture Tonight. Mm -hmm.